I'm Jennifer, and you're listening to the Jennifer Kayla Ruskin Podcast. I'm passionate about helping you create the relationship and sex life of your dreams. Welcome to conversations about open relationships, online dating, and conscious uncoupling. Hey guys, welcome back to another podcast. This one's really spicy and Wendy and I are calling it Make ADHD Your Bitch with BDSM. This whole month is all about BDSM and kink and this one has an extra little spin where we are adding in a topic of ADHD. Wendy is the owner of Owning Your O and she's an orgasm and neuro pleasure coach. I heard her on that sex chick with Alexa Bowditch and was like, I have to have her on the podcast Wendy, welcome. Please tell everybody all about you. Oh, thanks for having <laughs> me here. Um, as far as all about me, like I find most people, we have multiple interests and multiple things that are happening in our life. Mm-hmm. And that has led me to kind of where I am today. I did not go to school to become an orgasm coach. <laughs> um, it is something that kind of developed as I went on my own sexual journey after I separated from my husband. And I, through that process of exploring my own body and my own sexuality, I wanted to learn all the things and having ADHD really helped me learn all the things because I used my hyper-focus to like, to tackle a topic and BDSM was one of them. And I, one of the ways that I learned about BDSM besides going on field and hitting up people's (laughs) DMs is I decided one day that if I really wanted to learn it, I wanted to learn from, you know, the professionals and what better way than to go get a job at the, a dungeon. And I did not necessarily learn from my clients. I learned a lot about myself from my clients, but then I learned, you know, the safety and how to properly work with BDSM from all of my colleagues that I worked with. And that kind of gets us to today. A to little today. Bit. <laughs> I always like to normalize our guests too. Like you're pretty, you're a normal person. You're a mother, you have a business, you yes. are polyamorous, which we talked about a little bit about before the mm-hmm. podcast. What else do you want to try to like normalize yourself to with the audience? Um, I'm a sci-fi junkie. I <laughs> Um, and then let's see what else I love, you know, EDM going to festivals, Mm -hmm. I'm a burner. I I go hiking. I go camping. I take my kids camping all the time. Um, I like to cook, even though I don't cook as much as I would like. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a kind of average person with a lot of interests. Mm -hmm. You sound super fun to me. Okay. So let's bring in the topic (laughs) of, making ADHD your bitch, right? So I loved the podcast that you did with Alexa, because as we were saying before we hit record, you're so well spoken. And I guess when I've heard from other people that have ADHD, a lot of times they can't focus long enough to have an an intense conversation. And you and her had a really engaging, amazing conversation. And at the very end, you teased something and you were like, And then there's this whole thing about ADHD and BDSM. And I was like, what is this? Let's really dig in. So talk to us a little bit about it. All right. So first off, for people who are listening who don't have ADHD, or maybe they have a partner with ADHD and they kind of know it, but they don't really 
I want to explain a little bit about what it is. And by the way, part of the reason I can explain things so clearly is because part of the features of ADHD is it's not that we don't have focus. We get hyper-focused in one particular thing. That could be daydreaming in that moment. It could be a topic that you're researching. It could be a hobby. It could be any sort of thing that gets your attention and then you hyper-focus on whatever has your attention. The reason that happens is there is a neurotransmitter called dopamine that is responsible for connecting different parts of our brain to different parts of our body. And one of the parts that dopamine helps connect is that front part of the brain that does cognitive executive function functioning skills such as focus, paying attention, <laughs> uh, making plans, organizing, remembering things. And that is what is lacking for most people with ADHD. Well, actually all people with ADHD, there's two components to it. There's a dopamine and a norepinephrine. Norepinephrine is like the precursor to adrenaline. So it's usually a combination of those two neurotransmitters that's lower in people with ADHD. And the way the body is, it's really smart. It, kind of, it knows where we have energy and where we don't have energy. And if there's not enough dopamine to kind of power up that front part of the brain, it's just not going to do it. And so that's why people with ADHD have some of these issues with focusing. It's also one of the reasons why it's very misunderstood because People with ADHD have a tendency to hear this a lot from other people. Well, I'm a little ADHD. And that's true and not true. So, yes, everyone struggles sometimes with focus and attention and all of those things that we come to know about having ADHD. The difference is, is if you have an ADHD diagnosis, it means that that inability to focus happens regularly enough, severely enough that it impacts your life. It's kind of like, Everyone gets sad, but not everyone is clinically depressed. Mm -hmm. So yes, everyone's a little ADHD, but not everyone has ADHD diagnosis. Okay. Perfect. All right. Thank you for laying so, that groundwork, by the way. I loved hearing your discussion about the tiger and the way the dopamine works and how you can get stuck in this loop of feeling um, like stuck in your trauma. And, yes. and I loved all of that. So keep going. This is super okay. interesting. That actually, I'm so glad you just like teed it up for me. <laughs> <laughs> because All honestly, right, I just want to say those of us that don't have it don't necessarily understand. And so I love that you're setting this groundwork for us, especially for those of us with partners that have it. And you're right. You're like, why don't you just get your shit together? Can't you just focus? And you're like, right. no, actually you can't. Right. Exactly. So, <laughs> and this is, um, so I... I talk a lot about stress and trauma because this is the foundation of everything that is uncomfortable in your body. <laughs> Whatever it is that's going wrong in your body, it's related to stress and trauma. Mm -hmm. And by definition of stress and trauma, I want to lay what those are because everyone hears different things. So I want to make sure you understand when I use these words, this is what I mean. Every time you're stressed and what stress means is anytime something uncertain is happening in your life, 
then you have to make a decision. <laughs> that is stress. Now, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It could be, is he going to lean in and kiss me? Oh, is he going to use the flogger on me? Oh, you know, like there's all kinds of fun, happy, stressful scenarios that we can be in. However, most of us live in the non-fun, stressful environments, and we are constantly bombarded with uncertainty in our life. Almost everyone I know's life has a whole bunch of uncertainty in it. You know, where's money coming from? Where, you know, did they like my post on Instagram? You know, whatever it is, there's all this uncertainty with everything that we're doing. And so that when that happens, there's a chemical reaction that body and a whole bunch of things start happening to be able to get you out of your stress because biologically are the same people as we were like 10,000 years ago. And so even though in today's world, most of our stress is something that's in our mind and more or less imaginary, <laughs> right? Well, we're imagining the things that are going to be happening. We're more anxious and we're predicting the future. And that's where a lot of our stress is coming from. But biologically, it's the same as if we're getting chased by a tiger or a lion. And it doesn't matter if the stress is actually happening or it's just perceived happening, <laughs> right? And when that happens, your body uses um, progesterone, which is one of the, the, the quote unquote sex hormones, but it's made in your adrenals as well. And it takes that progesterone and it makes something called cortisol. So that way you can build up your adrenaline and you can get yourself out of the stressful situation. There's a whole bunch of things that happen. This is just really basic. The thing that's important to understand about that is that progesterone is also the precursor to and so if you're spending a lot of time in stressful situations, you're not going to be making as much dopamine. And now if you're starting with a deficiency of dopamine, like ADHD, <laughs> then you're having even less dopamine, making it even more difficult to do those things such as like get your shit together. <laughs> and that is the problem like with distress and ADHD in particular. When you keep going through the stress cycle, you the chemical reactions happen energy is created energy cannot be uh, uh destroyed right it can only be transformed right so what happens is then if you are not letting go of that energy that's created during the stressful situation it gets stored in your body and that is trauma so when i talk about stress and trauma i'm talking about stress the actual event or perceived event that's creating the chemical reactions in your body. And with trauma, I'm talking about the unreleased energy that was created during the stress. So it does not have to be a big T trauma event that most of us think of when we think of trauma. Most people actually have accumulated stress that's creating in their body and trauma in their lives and havoc in their lives and havoc in their body. And that is kind of the foundation and with people with ADHD that usually shows up by not creating as much dopamine. Other people may have a different deficiency in their body. It may not be, their body may be more predisposed to maybe, you know, gain weight more or, you know, have a different part of their, their digestive system go wrong. Doesn't mean people with ADHD don't have those issues too. It's just our bodies are always trying to figure out the best way to use the energy. And if you don't have as much dopamine, it's going to use, you know, energy differently than if you do have more dopamine. May I ask a question? Yes. 
I want about this specifically. <clears throat> when you have ADHD and you have the excess buildup of the energy, do you feel that excessive energy in your body? Like I imagine it as cells like reverberating. Do you feel like you need to expel it? How does that physically show up? All right. So me personally now at this moment, yes. Me personally about five or six years ago, no. Mm. In my experience, most people with ADHD live a life of constant low-level anxiety and stress by default because of the lack of dopamine and the lack of ability to go through some of the other processes that other people can. And what happens is as that energy builds up and it gets stored in your system, your body will start turning off sensations and you become dissociated from your body. Mm. And that's why so many people with ADHD kind of live in their head. It's just this constant level of stress that has caused this dissociation between what's happening in their body and what's happening in their mind. Mm. And so that's the way I used to be. I, I didn't, I mean, I knew I was under stress, but I was so good at just putting on a happy face and la 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 <laughs> through life. And I'll deal with it with later. Low level anxiety constant in your body, right? Yeah. I just completely okay. ignored it all. Okay. Now that I've done some deep embodiment practices and work and getting really in touch with my body, I've learned how to start feeling those sensations without getting overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And actually that's BDSM played a big part in that. Hey there. Did you know that I do online coaching? Yes, I do online coaching in the sex and relationship space. Some of the topics that are near and dear to my heart are open relationships. So that includes polyamory, swinging, or what we call the lifestyle. I also love conversations around online dating. We're talking Bumble, Tinder, Field, and more. And then the last thing that's really passionate and close to my heart is conscious uncoupling. That means we get to break up with people with love and respect, with dignity and hope. We get to create a life for our children that gets to be a little bit different. We can do things better than we have in the past. So if any of these topics sound interesting to you and you'd love to get some coaching from me, check out the link in the show notes or the link in my bio for more information on coaching with Jen. Yeah. So do you want me to continue on? Why? Okay. <laughs> sure. So, yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to say, like, I got to see it in action. So the person that we're dating has ADHD and we had a really beautiful three-way last night. And it was amazing to watch as her own body would like come to orgasm and I could like feel her energy coming through and her shaking. And she would say like, my left hand like has all the excess energy in it. And so like, I have to like shake it out once I'm done and complete with like the round of orgasmic pleasure that I'm feeling or as we're cuddling, I I can feel her. And instead of letting it just harbor in his anxiety, like oh my God, I feel so overwhelmed and I'm overstimulated and there's two people touching me. And it was fascinating to watch her process and flow. So I can't wait to hear other solutions that you have in the BDSM world, or if you wanted to double click on that at all. Yes. So actually, I love that. You just gave a classic example of what is actually supposed to happen naturally to release energy in the animal kingdom, which by the way, we're animals. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. In the animal kingdom, whenever they an animal has a bunch of 
stress, like from chasing, running away from a predator or getting, you know, having to climb up a tree or whatever the situation is, there is a moment where they kind of get, once they're safe, now that's the key word there. Once they feel very safe and everything, the danger is gone. They will usually shake out their body to release that extra energy that was built up during the stressful situation. Now, as humans, we often don't feel comfortable enough to shake out or we're kids and we're told to sit still instead of shake out the excess energy and all, you know, your work, you probably, you know, most people who maybe work in a corporate office are probably not standing around, standing up and shaking and <laughs> going, like having a seizure at your desk. <laughs> Right. Because they don't feel comfortable doing that, even though that actually may be what their body needs to do. Mm-hmm. And with BDSM, in a it, when it's done well, you create safe, consensual opportunities for, you know, to release to of the see, energy. to go experience it. Yes. Your body, once it feels safe, <sighs> is going to release the energy. Mm-hmm. So that is actually the key to healing is creating safety in your body like hands down like across the board all and whatever whatever ails you create safety in your body you can heal this is so fascinating so in my mind it was like okay it's impact play that releases the energy but it's not it could be shibari yeah. and being held and feeling safe and being able to like melt into it and release the energy that way it could be, I'm sure, impact play. Maybe give us a couple other examples. It is, it's, it's the safety part. So I, that it's is actually, it's the safety part. It's kind of irrelevant what is happening. It's the safety. It's the reason why people who are in long-term monogamous, healthy communicating relationships that create safety and consensuality and communication in their relationship are healthier like Mm -hmm. it's like scientifically proven that if you have a safe consensual sexual relationship with a partner with open communication you will be healthier than your peers that don't have that it's just it's science right and that's because you know let's say you have an orgasm (laughs) because orgasms are amazing they should not always be they don't have to always be the end result, but they're a really good end result if they do happen. Um, you can release and shake through an orgasm. That's that's an easy, easy, in my favorite way to teach how people to heal is through orgasms. And that's actually kind of how I ended up on this path of becoming an orgasm coach. Um, it's not the only way. And the reason I like BDSM is that when it's done properly, there's negotiation, then there's the scene, then there's the aftercare, and then there's the kind of breakdown afterwards, usually done the next day where you go over what worked and what didn't work. If you have those four components, you create this beautiful container of safety. You get your you can speak up during negotiations, what you want, what you don't want. You can relax and let go, feeling safe that your needs are going to be met. And then you can feel into your body without having to worry about what's going on. Whether you're the dom or the sub, it's still a matter of being able to create safety for both you and your partner. 
And then when you have that aftercare and just that immediate check-in, knowing that, you know, you're safe in your body, that's when a lot of times the shaking and the releasing can happen, even in those moments for any of the excess energy that was built up during a scene. And then that repair that happens later on, you know, usually the next day or a couple of days later, when you're able to talk about this work, this didn't work just reaffirms that safety. So then the next time you're together, it creates an even bigger container of safety for an even bigger release of the stored trauma in your body. Now, as far as like what you can do during a BDSM scene, oh, <laughs> this guy's literally the limit. Like if you can imagine it, it can happen. Um, I think role play is a great way to get in and start playing around with different things. You can, if you're creative and artsy it's a good fun way to maybe try out something that you might maybe be a little uncomfortable with if you're just showing up as yourself but if you're showing up as the slave being dominated by the sexy alien <laughs> right it's a totally different thing or if you're the dom who maybe isn't comfortable with the the quote-unquote bad part of themselves. They're used to being a good girl or a good boy and they don't want to hurt the other person. Being able to step in as a different person and be that that more, you know, domineering aspect of themselves that they don't often let out, it gives them a safe container. That's part of the reason you have the negotiation. You know what, you've already talked about what's good and what's not good. So you kind of have a green light and it, with safe words, even if you... If you're trying something that comes to your mind in the moment, as long as you have safe words there and you trust your sub, you can still keep going along and and have fun exploring. And one of the components of BDSM that I think is missing from a lot of, say, stereotypical relationship activities is this level of curiosity. When you're setting up a scene and you're talking about, oh, I want to try this. I want to do this, right? There's this curiosity or, oh, I had this great idea. Last time I had you tied up, I was in this, you were in this position and I was thinking, I want to try it a different way and maybe bring in a tool, like maybe bring in a vibrator and the blindfold at the same time with your legs, you know, pinned back and your, I know you don't like to have your hands, you know, bound. So but I want you to grab onto this pole so that way you're in control, right? You know, like there's all these different ways you can create these level of safety and play and curiosity and see, and see if it works or doesn't work. And the cool thing about it is when you know you're going to have that repair part, or it's not, it's, it's called repair in a normal relationship. I can't figure out why I can't think of the right word for the after <laughs> when you break it down. <laughs> is that like you know, after or something different? No, like, you know, in a sports, if you've ever played sports. Oh, yeah, it's and, recovery. And it's, well, um, no, afterwards, like, you go over, you watch the play of the game with the coach, uh -huh. and you, like, break down the plays, and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, that worked, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. It's that, right? Like a replay, yeah, you're breaking it yeah. down, you're processing. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it's like BDSM should be a sports team, right? <laughs> like a, we're team players here in BDSM. And when you go back through and you break down what works and what doesn't work, it gives you even more opportunity to create even more curiosity. And when you know that's coming, it allows you to kind of drop into the experience without safe words there, drop into the experience because you know you get to talk about it later. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do as much checking in in the moment. Not to say you don't check in in the moment, but there's less of the like, 
is this what you were thinking? <laughs> you know, is this, is this, is this working for you? It's more about, you know, is the rope too tight? You know, those kinds of check-ins to really make sure that there, you can be, have the sub be in their body and the dom can be really present and attentive, right? It allows that when you have that fourth part, it allows that, that ability to truly be embodied during a BDSM scene. Mm -hmm. And when you are embodied, you're not in your mind and you actually are not creating the same level of cortisol. Mm -hmm. And so you're able to create more dopamine in the scene, which actually helps with your ADHD. <laughs> You'll be able to focus easier the next day after an intense BDSM scene. Yes. I have like four things I want to ask you, but I'm going to start with this one because you just said it. Okay. Okay. I have a friend and him and his girlfriend are in a dom sub relationship and have been for like seven years. And she's a masochist. That's you want to get hit. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I yes. remember we had dinner with them once and I remember her saying, and she was looking at me and my partner and she was like, I enjoy the pain. It's like a reset and mm -hmm. it makes everything else go from my mind. All the things that I keep looping, all the things I wish I would have done better, all the things I should have said, what I should have done at work. Oh, I forgot to do this thing and do the paperwork. And it just clears everything. And I'm like, it's like a reset for me. <clears throat> so I'm yes. curious if this is very similar and maybe even the same. I don't know if she has ADHD or not, but do you feel that reset afterwards? Yes. So this doesn't happen just in BDSM. It's just that BDSM has a, you know, a, I don't want to say stigma, but, you know, there's yeah. the... The, ooh, that's a little risque, right? <laughs> People who go for a really long run and they hit at that level where all of a sudden their body, like they just start breathing in, in the cohesion and their mind is gone now and they're just one step in front of the other or like a hot yoga class, right? Where you pushing your body to a certain level and then you drop into your body. It's the same thing. Mm. It's just in a BDSM scene, pain is a quicker way to, I mean, not just, you know, pain, but pain is one quick way of helping you drop into your body and get out of your mind. You can do a hot yoga class too. It's going to do the same thing for you. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's all kinds of things that are going to do the same exact thing for you. Um, it's just that for some reason, people say it's okay to go to a hot yoga class and some people don't think it's okay to do a BDSM scene, but there's no difference as far as what's actually happening in your body. That you know? is fascinating. And give so many people permission to try yeah. that or try this or go to hot yoga. Speaking of permission, so my second question, you kind of lightly touched over it where the dom sub scene is so much fun because you get to play a different part. You get to put on a character. And I was curious if you have any suggestions or tips for the dom in particular, who let's just pretend like it's a guy. Usually a lot of times it is. Um, who has a hard time being silly and stepping into that role to create the scene. Um, do you have any ideas to help them help their person? Maybe their, their partner has ADHD and they really would love to do a scene together, but they're like, look, this is silly and I don't want to pr play pretend. And what kind of advice would you give them? Okay. Yeah. So actually I have a lot of neurodivergent couples that work with me in certain kinds of neurodivergent diagnoses make it a little difficult for them to role play. Um, and so in that case, obviously don't do something that makes you uncomfortable, whether you're a dumb or a sad, <laughs> right? 
the best way to kind of get around that is to really plan out the scene, really work together to kind of plan out, you know, what's going to happen. If you're really uncomfortable, like you're starting out, you really don't know what you're doing. You don't know how to speak up. There are, and you, you just, it's a skill. So BDSM is a skill. Like when I first started, I had no clue what I was doing. Now I practiced a lot and I know what I'm doing. Right? Um, speaking up is a skill. And people think oh, they're really brave and bold. No, they're just practiced in speaking up. Mm-hmm. And that is as a dom, when you're learning, you're going to be practicing skills that you probably aren't very good at and you just have to practice them so that's the first part just remember this is practice and the beautiful thing about bdsm is you can have the scene you get to do that debrief at the end and you break it apart and then you can figure out what worked or what didn't work and then make it better the next time and then you can play around with it you know you're not going to be the perfect dom the first time you try to be a dom it just doesn't happen (laughs) but over time and with practice and just that that consistency and showing up. Now, as someone who has done both, I'm a switch. So I I both dom and sub. When I was practicing my dom skills at the beginning, and I'm still practicing now, but like in particular at the beginning, one of the, the things that I found very comforting for me, as long as the sub was good with it, was putting a blindfold on them because then I didn't have to worry what my facial expressions were. And actually as a sub, it's, it's good for them too, especially if they're not they're not good at dropping into their body and especially if the subs of female have not having to read people's faces is a really good way to help you get back into your body so it can work really well now if they don't like to be blindfolded and if they don't feel comfortable with that then you just have them face away from you and you work behind their back and it creates the same effect and as the sub you're like you have no idea what's going on. You can hear the movement going around, going on. And, you know, bonus for both, you don't talk much. You don't, you just prepare everything. And they're imagining what's going to be happening and what's going to be happening next. And then you give like a simple, simple commands, right? You know, all right, I want you to sit with your, on your knees now, right? You know, it's very simple, nothing you know, nothing drastic. You just start with really, really simple commands, almost like you have to explain it to say an AI who's going to create the scene, right? Like if you don't explain all the details, you know, it's not going to work right. Like I I remember a famous, this like peanut butter and jelly exercise where people have to explain how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and they can't see the person who's making the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And so say the person's like, grab the bread and take two slices. And then the person has the bag of bread and they just rip into the bag of bread and pull out two slices, right? Um, Put the peanut butter on one piece of bread. So they'll take the jar of peanut butter and put it on the bread. (laughs) (laughs) And then you're like, wait, that didn't work. (laughs) So it's like, all right, now I want you to grab the peanut butter in your left hand. And I want you to use your right hand to twist the jar the lid off. When you practice getting really specific with the instructions, not only is it simple, you know, like not, you don't just say like, get undressed, for example, be like, all right, I want you to slowly unbutton each button of your shirt, starting from the top and working your way down. And then I want you to open up your shirt, pause so I can expect your boobs, right? 
and then you do that. You know, like there's all these ways you can kind of play with it. And as you start practicing those skills of commanding, you know, you get more comfortable. Your sub gets comfortable too, because you just say, get undressed. They're going to be wondering if, right. But the more specific you can be, then it allows both of you to be like really comfortable and create that safety in the scene. So that way you can release more stress and trauma. I love that. It makes me think of the dungeon master for Dungeons and Dragons. When you're going to play a game or play in D&D, and I do not play, but my partner has and does. And so I hear him and his friends talk about it. Like there's this very ornate scene that you set and you create a whole entire world. And so it's very similar, right? Where you just create the scene, you set your characters, maybe there's a little backstory, maybe not. And then you're very specific in the way that it's played out. Right. And so for the people who are maybe not comfortable with that, that will play like, you know, character, uh-huh. just getting really specific with what they're doing allows them to still be who they are and feel comfortable. Mm. But, and also gives like a structure to the scene, right? Mm-hmm. If I, if I'm the Dom and now I don't know what I'm doing, but if I can just, okay, I'm going to dictate every single little step you know, as much as possible, then that's a structure, even if there's no like major plan. Right. Mm -hmm. And whenever you create structure, you create safety within yourself. Mm, So yummy. Okay. (laughs) I feel like we're close to the end of our time. And so I want to ask you, is there anything else that you want to leave us with? Any of anything else? Mm -hmm. Right. So just to kind of tie up the whole why you can use BDSM to make ADHD your bitch, right? Yes. So it's about creating safety first Mm -hmm. and then lots of opportunities to increase dopamine. So the way you do that is you can do it through impact. That pain is going to start creating some dopamine. You can do it anytime you are reducing one sensation. So like bondage is reducing the the ability to move. It's heightening your sensation of feeling because now you're being held. So bondage is one way. Discipline's one way. The whole dom sub dynamic creates a boundary where one of the opportunities that you have to express yourself is being removed. So whether you're a sub and you're not allowed to be dom or you're dom and not allowed to be sub, it's creating that, you know, removal of a a part of yourself. And anytime you can focus in on one aspect, you're going to help increase your ability to focus in other areas of your life. And the more you can use BDSM and have that, that negotiation and that, the, postmortem <laughs> of the scene allows you to use your communication and your voice and create that safety for yourself that is literally going to help you in all areas of your life. Mm, amazing. So yummy. Now, I played a little bit on your Instagram with your link tree, and I noticed that you have like little mini courses on some of this, and you also have like yes. one-on-one training and group training. And can you tell everybody that's listening if they're like, I need more Wendy in my life, where do I go? What do I do? What's available? 
All right, go to owningyourow.com or on Instagram, owningyouro. And I have a class on BDSM and ADHD. It's a masterclass getting into some details on that. I have a free stress and trauma masterclass that anyone can watch so you can understand what is happening, whether you have ADHD or not. And especially if you have ADHD or a partner has ADHD, watching that stress and trauma masterclass will really help you understand what's going in the body. I have an... Uh, another ADHD class on there just so you can understand what's happening. And I feel like I have a BDSM and trauma class. I probably should know all my What classes. about your <laughs> orgasm training that you were talking about earlier that said I was really excited about? Oh yeah. So I do one-on-one -on -one coaching with people that, oh, by the way, I do have some courses on orgasm as well. I have a maker come class, which teaches people how to Ooh. give different kinds of orgasms for a female, including squirting. Everyone always asks about squirting and then, but not just, you know, G-spot and clitoral and squirting. There's more in there too. So there's lots of pathways to orgasm. And then if you watch my stuff and you want to figure out like how to really tweak it and make it your own, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching where we can, you know, take all, whatever aspects of your life are there multifaceted people have multifaceted interests. So whether you're poly or in a, re a monogamous relationship, if you're new to BDSM or an experienced BDSM, you have ADHD or some other neurodivergent diagnosis or your partner does, I can work with you to help create, you know, uh, rituals and practices and different things and techniques to be able to help both of you feel safe and secure and release as much trauma as possible maybe hopefully through orgasm as well. <laughs> mm -hmm. This has been such a stimulating conversation and I knew that it would be, and I'm excited to go check out all your little courses that you have. Um, cause I want to learn more about this as well, but thank you so much for being on today. I'll have all your links below. Um, we're doing, as I said, an entire month on BDSM and kink. So I can't wait to have you be a part of all of those other really interesting conversations. And if you haven't stopped and followed Wendy from one of the links below, just stop and do that right now. She does have her own podcast coming. We're going to just like drip that out. It might be right after this. It might be during, I don't know, but go follow her so that you can see that as well. And then you'll be able to follow her on her own podcast. Yes. Thank, thank you, you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you again. Bye.